What's up and welcome to another Industry Insider interview here on the 520 Collective Podcast. As always, this interview is being sponsored by The Bookkeeper 24-7. Check them out at thebookkeeper247.com where they are covering the latest happenings across Christian hip-hop. Uh, Daryl and the team, man, you know, they put on for the culture. So make sure you go out and you uh, just support what they have going on. Again, it's thebookkeeper247.com. And joining me right now for this month's Industry Insider interview, uh, man, it, it's uh, a veteran in this space. Uh, he, he's worn several hats, it seems like, and done it all well, from being a rapper, producer, uh, now label owner. Uh, man, the, the list kind of goes on retro gamer. Um, but joining me from Cincinnati, Ohio, on here on the um, Track Stars Podcast Network phone line is the one and only K-Drama. What's going on, sir? Yo, 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 just just living the life, man. <laughs> That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So, yeah, like, whenever you look at the list of just the different things that you've been able to do, um, if you want to compare it to, like, a, an athlete, right, you might call you, you a uh, Swiss Army knife of sorts. Um, like, <laughs> how do you describe just kind of what you do to people? Oh, so... You know, I, when, when I think about my involvement, you know, with CHH and, and what I do, I I tend to I tend to look at it from, I guess, just how it, it wasn't really a choice. Um, initially, it was more so like out of necessity. And so, like, I started rapping first, but then I needed production to rap over. I'm like, well, you know, I don't know any producers. I figured I'd take a take a crack at it, and um, wasn't really that great at first, but eventually, you know, developed some skills in that way. And so, I, I feel like that's that's been the story of my life just just sort of doing what's needed to be done. You know, if if I, if it can be delegated, great. But um, oftentimes, like that's just not the case. And so, for me, it's just you know doing what I can do out of necessity and then delegating whatever else, you know, needs to be done to someone who can do it well. So that at the end of the day, like the vision is being achieved. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that sounds kind of like the, um, kind of like the typical plight, right. Of an independent artist where, yeah. um, Man, I mean, at first you might have to figure out how to kind of DIY this whole thing a little bit. Um, what mm-hmm. was, I guess, just like, what did you learn from that experience that you would pass on to, you know, artists who are just getting started? Like, what what's like one piece of advice that you really stood out to you as you were going through that growing process? Uh, I would say, like, don't, don't be afraid to try. Um, and I know that sounds real simple, but for me... Uh, I remember there was a point where I was doing a lot of my recording with uh, Theory Has It, and uh, he eventually, uh, like, because he, he didn't live too far from me, uh, but eventually he moved to Portland to work with Braille, and so I needed a recording studio. At this point, you know, I rent, rented studios my entire, um, you know, span of, of doing music at, at, up to that point. And so, then, so I, I would say that was about like 10 years of doing music to where I, I relied on other people to record me. And when it came to the point where I realized 
I'm probably going to have to record my own music. It terrified me. Like, I'm just like, I don't know if I can record myself. I don't know what waves are. You know, I make, make beats, of course, but making beats for me was using analog gear and using the NPC 2000 or 1000 and, and physical keyboards. I wasn't using Fruity Loops or VSTs or or DAWs and so like it really frightened me like that I was gonna have to try to do this because I'm like this is my music on the line like I might be sacrificing the quality uh, like that was something I was willing to delegate uh, like I talked about before and so I would encourage artists like don't be afraid of like failure don't fear failure like at the end of the day there are some things we're going to do really well. And then there's some things we might not do, you know, so well. But at the end of the day, you don't know unless you take a crack at it. And so I would say, like, just don't be afraid. Like, go go forward and, and just try your best. And uh, I think God will God will, God will see what, you, what you're doing for him. Like, he'll, he'll either bless what you're doing, like, and you'll be able to do it. Or he will partner you with who you need to you know carry that vision forward yeah that's what's up that's what's up so you know you, you kind of hit on it a minute ago about how you've been creating music for a, a long time and i think you know just what you have contributed to christian hip-hop is pretty undeniable at, at this point right i mean uh you get a lot of respect from those in the space and, and rightfully so so um you know i think it's, it's hard to get the chance to talk to you and not talk about air jordan just a little bit right um yeah <laughs> it, it, you know the most sampled song in chh you know pr pretty easily um i guess my question for you and that i think a lot of artists would benefit from because you know artists are looking for okay that one song that's gonna you know kind of pop things off for me right like at what point did you realize what air jordan was actually gonna mean for you as an artist so i didn't realize it until well after it came out honestly um and it's funny because air jordan um it was just such how do you say it it was a very like i want to use this word but i want to use it like i mean it in a certain way and i think it'll come across as a tough story it was a very organic like process um like not not to be like man like it's pure and da 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 da, da. but like i honestly did not know what air jordan was gonna do i had no idea like I, I I knew that the song was cool enough to write. Like I I remember being in the studio, and I remember it was really late at night. And I tend to write a lot of my better songs really late at night, like the one o'clock in the morning. I don't know why that is. It just, it just happened with several of my bigger songs. And um, Air Jordan, like, I remember the hook just came to me, like I Air Jordan on them. Like that was the only part that I had at first. And I was like, whoa, I like that. Like, that's different. Um, but my fear with Air Jordan was that it was too too worldly. Like, that was the fear. Like, the fear was, I'm going to put this song out. Because we were already, like, 
at that point, like, music was still very cross-movement influenced. Reach was cross-movement influenced. I mean, Lecrae was with Reach, um, or just, just finished being with... Lecrae had just finished being with Cross Movement, I think, at this point. And so it was very theological, heavy music, unlike, you know, what it is today. And so I think the, the plight was, I was like, I don't want my brothers and sisters in Christ to think that this, that I'm not representing Jesus or that, or that I'm trying to compromise in order to develop a bigger platform, which there were DJs who did like I remember sending that song to record pools and I remember that was some of the feedback like is this dude just trying to you know come up with some gimmick you know so that so that it catches on and blows up and that really wasn't the case I just honestly I had the idea and I thought it was cool and I was like let me run with it and so um from there like I made the song um, and it actually aired Jordan. It, it, the beat that you hear now, like the like the, the the one that I ended up commercially releasing, that's not the original version. And so, like I had this Air Jordan, so I had performed it a few times. I really didn't think much of it, though. I just needed to like if I was booked to do a thirty minute concert, like I I may have four good songs that I know I'm going to do, but then it's like, what am I going to do for this other 10 minutes? Maybe I'll talk for five, and then maybe Air Jordan, I could just, you know, kill some time with that. That's kind of how I looked at Air Jordan. Um, and then eventually, like, I I don't even know why. I was like, man, I need a new beat for Air Jordan. Like, I didn't think the original beat was bad. I just felt like, yo, it'd be dope to make another beat for it. And so I did. And then... I remember going to Virginia. I went to Virginia Beach. Um, I had a show there. And I remember performing Air Jordan. I actually had another song that I used to perform a lot called Show and Tell. And I thought Show and Tell was going to be what Air Jordan is. And so I'm performing Show and Tell. I'm thinking like, yeah, this is the one right here. You know, people liked it. It was cool. But then when I would perform Air Jordan, it was just something about that song. And people just really gravitated to it. I remember um, my dude, Sean Slaughter, um, he was like, yo, like, that song is special, dude. You need to push it. And I was just like, for real? Like, it, I was sort of really, I was really naive, like, not really seeing what the moment was. And eventually it just kept growing like that to where, like, everybody I sent that song to, like, I sent it to Lecrae. He was like, yo, can you, you want to perform this? Um during my set at Flavor Fest. Um, I had, like, Wit from um, back when he was with Frontliners. He was like, yo, can you send me the instrumental so I can remix it? And, like, people were hitting me up. Like, I didn't even have an instrumental online yet, and people were, like, hitting me up, like, yo, send me the beat. And that's when I sort of, I was like, okay, maybe this, maybe this song is more special than I think. And then eventually... Like, Show Baraka remixes it, and that's when... And I didn't even know he remixed it. Like, he actually got the beat from Wado. Um, and when he did Kobe Bryant on him, like, that really took it to another stratosphere. And that was when I was like, oh, this song is like, wow. Like, this is, this is going to be a memorable song for the rest of my life. Like, that's when that hit me. And so, like, for artists out there, it's just like... Sometimes you don't know 
what you have and that's why it's good to have people around you as a good soundboard because they can tell you what's hot what's not um and 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 you even can't you can't even listen to that a hundred percent either you at the end of the day like just gotta go with your gut and go with the spirit is leading because like i said i had djs that were really not feeling that song and had i listened to the djs and been like oh man like the djs don't think it's good maybe i shouldn't put it out then we might not even have it you know what i'm saying so i would say like you know at the end of the day you do gotta stick with your guns but um it's good to have people in your corner who 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 aren't yes men who are going to be a good soundboard and just create like because like i said you never know what you have your hands on i didn't know air jordan was that special until maybe maybe a year after performing it like that's when it really started taking off like it wasn't like this overnight thing like i had based that song in 07 and it didn't really take off until early 09 um so that was that was just you know something and, and and sometimes people want me to like replicate that like, i had a dude hit me up so i just did this a different world challenge and um this dude hit me up like yo like we need to make another air jordan type song like i don't know if i could do that i mean of course i would love to do that but that's like catching lightning in a bottle for me like i just don't sit around trying to make the next air jordan it was just such a special moment so it was so organic like i don't know if i could just replicate that um so you know that's that yeah man that, that's what's up well we're glad that it happened the way it did even if uh even if it wasn't clear from the beginning man like i mean i guess they say you know hindsight's twenty twenty. um once you got a chance to kind of live through that and, and just I guess, you know, I'm assuming at some point you had a chance to just really kind of sit back and take it all in and reflect on it. Like, what was that moment like when you were, when you just were able to just sit with it and be like, oh, okay, this is what this all kind of culminates as in this experience. Was there one of those type moments for you? So I, had, I think I had two separate thoughts. Like, I had one thought, I think... I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I think the first thought was, oh, this song is bigger than I thought it was going to be. How big can we make it? You know, like, where can this song go? So I'm thinking, try to shoot a music video. But shooting music videos back then is nothing like how it is now. You know, you, you, I hit up several guys. I mean, one guy who did quite a few popular Christian hip-hop videos at the time he was asking for $20,000 for a music video. And I'm like, I just don't have that kind of budget, you know? And even on the lower end of the spectrum, like the, 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 the other guy I hit up was charging five grand. I'm like, I don't have, I don't have a grand, you know? Cause this is all kind of, you know, doing it online and MySpace and SoundClick and, you know, all that. So I'm just trying to, work with what i have and um so that i ended up finding some people who were willing to shoot the video uh who had did some other videos for popular chh artists and i'm like yo this will be dope and it just never came together like it just never happened and so i was kind of frustrated at that and then i was trying to get the song on um NBA 2K, I think it was 2K11, um, where Jordan was on the cover, and they did 
play as Jordan, you play all the classic games, and I tried to get it on there. I was this Twitter was just starting to pop for real, and um, we're we're tagging um, Ronnie TK. Like I got all these people, you know, tweeting on like put Air Jordan on on the game and. You know, I, I sent the game TTK. I sent it like certified mail. I know they got it because they had to sign for it. And, um, you know, nothing really happened from it. And so, you know, another disappointing thing. Um, and then the other disappointing thing, like, that went with that was um, I was actually in talks with uh, one of the reps from Nike about using the song in an Air Jordan, like, commercial or something. You know, I'm like, I don't know. And the, and the guy, he actually hit me back, was like, yo, like, I normally don't even respond to emails like this, but, you know, thanks for sending it. I'll, I'm going to let Jordan hear it. And I'm a, yeah, he was like, I'm going to hit you back whether or not we think it's good, which I was like, well, great. At least I'll get some kind of feedback. But I actually didn't get the feedback. And so, like, I, I ain't going to lie. Like, I think initially it was almost like, man, like, I was hoping – because it was so special in the CHH market, I was hoping that would translate over, and it didn't. Um, I mean, it did to a certain degree, but not the way I envisioned it. But ultimately, like, I'll, I'm on the other side of that is like I'm super grateful um, for what that song is to my career and like what it means to CHH. Like, so many people hit me up about that song all the time, like, so many good memories, um, people who, who remix, like, there's remixes that I still haven't heard yet, you know, like, dudes are like, oh, yeah, I did this remix, like, I, I, you know, and they'll send it to me, and I'm like, oh, that's dope, like, and so, um, it is really cool, like, to have something like that on your resume, um, like, for me, like, it, it just really, it's one of those things where I didn't like sometimes uh before making Air Jordan like I doubted whether or not I was supposed to be doing Christian rap music like if and, and not that you need a stamp of approval like you don't um but if you do if you are blessed to get that stamp like it's it can be a reassuring thing like wow like look at how God moved in order for this to happen like I I'm grateful that I was in the will of God for this season in my life. Like, that's what that song makes me think um, when I think about it. Like, especially thinking about my journey and, like, how I got to where, I'm, where I was at at that time and then where I'm at now. It's like, wow, like, okay, God, you really did order my steps. This wasn't just me, you know, like, feeling some kind of way and then trying to make something out of something i shouldn't have been trying to make something out of if that makes sense so um so yeah ultimately for me like it i'm really grateful really thankful that that's something i got to participate in that's what's up that's what's up guys again joining me on the track stars podcasting network phone line is k drama uh man as an artist you've done so much you know from holy hip-hop music to cross movement records and then billboard charting as an independent artist um but you, you you haven't just stayed in that artist lane you you've ventured and found success as a producer as well talk a little bit about you know 
what made you pursue that and just you know how you were able um to kind of you know have this you know same kind of level of success there in in the production world because you've worked with some pretty incredible artists yeah so i mean when i when i think about production um like when i got to a point where i realized i'm decent at making beats like it wasn't just i'm making them out of necessity it's there's a demand for what i'm doing whether it's people like the type of beats I rap on or people want to buy the beats that I make so that they can rap on them for their own project. Like when I got to that point, um, I initially I was, I was scared of that too, because oftentimes the stigma is the rapper cannot make beats and vice versa. Like there are people who do both. But oftentimes they're either really good at one and they're just okay at the other. That's typically like how it goes. Like you don't think about Timbaland as great of a producer as he is. And of course he has hits as a rapper, but like you don't think about him as an MC. Like you think about him as a beat maker, as a producer. And there's so many people like that. And I was kind of afraid like that I was going to, you know, people weren't going to respect me for both. Um, so I used to go by a different name. I used to go by Platinum Fix. Um, and actually, I still use that email to this day. Like when people buy beats from me, that's the email address I use um, for inquiry. And so like, it's just crazy um, because a guy, like I came out with my first album 2001. I know that's, that's so long ago, but I was only... I was I was 16 years old. Was I 16? No, I was, yeah, I was 16. I was 16 years old when I came out with my first album. Like I, I got started super early, um, and so I produced that whole album, and I started to develop a little buzz online um, because I think the thing for me was I was making beats like the, this was an era where people weren't really using 808 quite yet like 808 um weren't used like that in chh to say you heard more like when you listen to, like grape tree stuff for instance it's more like baseline you know they might be subs but 808 hit different than subs and i was blessed to have some people teach me like you know how to how to use 808 and make them go up and you know make them go up and down and pitch and NPCs, you know, these are $2,000 machines. Like, you're just not going to have one of these sitting in your house. Um, and so, of course, I didn't. I was renting studios. And so, to have, like, this very professional gear, like, even though my raps didn't, my beats at that time were better than my raps. But I think, like, for what I was doing, because cross-movement really was the was the standard at that moment but i didn't grow up on east coast stuff i mean i listen to jay-z um dmx like i like hearing their stuff like i like seeing their music videos on bet but if you were to ask me like who i listen to like i was listening to no limit hard cash money hard bone thugs and harmony who are from ohio hard like that's who i was listening to and so of course when i started doing music that's what I regurgitated like that's what I wanted 
to ref- that's what came out of me. That's who inspired me. And so I think that's what really set me apart back then. It was, yo, like, he ain't rapping over these Wu-Tang Clan type beats. And I love, you know, Wu-Tang. Like, Wu-Tang is dope. But, like, I didn't listen to Wu-Tang like that. I listened to Master P. And so, like, you heard my, my beat sounded like beats by the pound, but in CHH. It's like, yo, I didn't know we could get this. And so I think that's what really set me apart. So I had people hit me up after they heard my Threat to Society album. And they're like, hey, do you sell beats? And I'm like, no, but, you know, what? how can I help you? You know, kind of deal. And I think that just grew for me. Like, it grew to the point where I was, I won't say forced, but, like, it would have been a bad, bad idea to neglect what momentum was being developed. And so I ended up making a beat page, um, selling beats online. You know, I'm selling for, like, 50 bucks. Uh, I'm still in high school, like, you know, and eventually, like, it just kept growing to where, like, I got better with production, and I eventually got my own equipment, um, and then I ended up meeting, like, like, in 2005, that's when I, like, really started beating everybody in CHH that was popping at the time, so I met Flame for the first time, met Lecrae, I met like Urban D, I met all these people. Um and that really planted the seed for what was to come. Cause when I um that same year I rapped at the Holy Hip Hop Awards. Um and when I rapped there, that was pretty much my audition for getting signed to Holy Hip Hop Music and they were distributed through EMI. And so that's what really created like the platform. So like 2006, when Behind the Glory came out, because um, Lecrae had told me he heard the album and he liked it. So that was kind of like the, the like my reputation preceded me kind of deal. So by the time I opened for him in 2007 at KA Camp, when I opened for him, he was already familiar with me. It wasn't like, but it, that was a two-year process. Like, I met him in 05, but I didn't start working with him until 08, so three-year process. Um, you know, same with Flame, or 07, 08, I, it gets kind of blurry. But, like, I used my rap platform to create my production platform. And so you, it, it really, I didn't plan for that, like, at all. I was just trying to make music. I didn't realize, like, dudes were going to hear my the beat that I was rapping on. And they were like, yo, I need beats like that for my project. And that's how I ended up making, you know, Got Paper and Hold On and Make War. And, like, all these songs that be, end up being blessed to produce. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 if I wasn't rapping over my own beats, that might not have ever happened. You know what I'm saying? I may and I got in the door just as a producer. Like for me, it was just because I was, I, I started out out of necessity, um, but then ended up taking on a life of his own. So I don't know if that answers it. I know I kind of went around, but, um, but yeah, like when I think about doing production, like it's just like, wow, thank you, Lord. Like for, for, seeing three steps beyond what i was seeing i just was like yo this is what i want to do but the lord was like three steps ahead of me like this is why you're doing it like i'm setting you up to do you know x y and z and you know thank god because that's kind of 
how I'm still doing stuff today is that resume that that has people checking for me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I kind of asked you this about, you know, what advice you had for artists. I'm going to ask you the same thing here because you look at the, uh, like I said, just the resume, you know, working on the Rebel album by Lecrae and working with Flame and, you know, I mean, th there's a, a, a lot there as well. So, like, if you're an up-and-coming producer that's trying to reach these heights, like, what's that one bit of advice that you're going to throw to those guys? Um, I mean, when I think about for me, I was I would say what really worked was making making compilation albums and making mixtapes. Um, like, you got to find you got to find what separates you um, from everybody else. Like for me, like when I first started making beats, what separated me was I was making, you know, down south, three, six mafia, little John, no limit cash money type beats. Like that's what I was doing, but it wasn't because it was a gimmick. Like that was what I liked. That's what I grew up on. Um, and so like, I think we don't realize as artists, like everybody has something that sets them apart. You just have to be willing to like be set apart and not blend in. Um, like you could still, you could, you could do stuff that fits in with the trends, but you can still be yourself. Like I'll, I'll oftentimes, like I've even, you know, I've heard songs and I'm like, you know what? I'm a, I'm a, I'm not gonna copy what they're doing, but I'm a, I'm gonna use this as inspiration to make something. And people would never know because I funnel it through, I guess, my filter. Like everybody has a filter, and it's like if you allow yourself to, if you don't just use the templates, if you don't use the cookie cutters. If you if you allow yourself to be if you're inspired but you're not like carbon copying off of the art that is popular, I think like it really can make an impact um, because we all have a story to tell. Like God has created us all unique, and um, I think for me, like I didn't even realize I was leaning into that. Um, <laughs> that's the thing. Like I, I would say, like trust. Like when God is leading you a certain way, trust that God is leading you that way for a certain reason. Um, you know, because for me, like I didn't, I had no clue. Like I wasn't, wasn't a lot of the stuff that I did, I wasn't trying to do. It just worked out that way, but it didn't work out that way just by happenstance. Like it was God orchestrating the show. Um, and we just have to be aware even if we're not aware of like what God is doing and why, we have to be aware of the what. Like, okay, God is orchestrating the show. I don't know why he's doing it. I don't need to know why. Um, you know, it'd be nice to know why, but at the end of the day, you might not know why until two years later. And you just have to trust, like, that's what faith is. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so you have to trust, like, okay, God is ordering my steps. Like I have these plans, but God is ultimately ordering my steps. So you have to have to trust that. And so, like when I when I, my whole 
music career, I feel like, is that. It's, it's just that. It's like, I, I was the quirky kid who, I was super shy growing up. I didn't want to be around people. I was, I, I failed kindergarten, like, because I was so shy. Like, I, but now I, you know, I mean, not, not with coronavirus, but, but like prior to that and, you know, I'm publicly speaking for a living, you know, and I would have never predicted that. Like, it's such a contradiction. Um, but we have to trust that, like, God is grooming us. Even this, you know, our upbringing, everything comes into account um, for who we're going to be. And, you know, what we do have, what we don't have, like, God is going to use it all together to make this beautiful masterpiece. And it might not even be music. Like, we have to be willing to accept that, too. Like, maybe music is a part of the story, but it's not the end game. Like, um, maybe God is going to use the music to get you into another door. Um, that ends up being, like, what what really gains some traction. And, and I think, lastly, like, not judging our success based on our results. Um... It's so easy to look at the metrics and just be like, yo, I'm performing well because of blank. And that's not always the case. Like, sometimes we're making progress and we don't even realize it. Like, I'm on this um, fitness journey right now. I've been on a bunch of them, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well on it. But it's funny, like, I've been doing it for, like, uh, maybe a, a month and a half and I look at my pictures like I, I have to take these progress pictures every week and I look at the pictures and I tell my wife all the time like I look the same like I don't look it doesn't look like I lost any weight it doesn't look like my stomach is going down it doesn't look you know we're looking for I, 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 I was you know pudgy or whatever and now I got a six pack like that's what we look for you know but oftentimes it's not that oftentimes you know you weigh yourself on a scale and oh I've, I lost a pound I lost half a pound I lost 23 pounds and before you know it like you've been doing it for a year and you've and you've made all this progress but if you just if you like zoom in to that one thing you'll just feel defeated. You'll feel like you haven't done anything. And I felt like that so many times. Like, man, I'm doing the same thing every day and I don't feel like I'm making any progress. But then you look back and you're like, wow, like, okay, God, this is what you were doing. And so I would I would tell artists, if anything, like, because I feel like people quit because they don't feel like they're making any progress. And it's like, you might've been on the brink of something. Had you not gave up in that moment, maybe like it would have popped off for you and so like don't judge things based on like your your you know your results um you know all the time like of course you have to measure yourself to some degree if you're setting goals and things like that but at the end of the day like sometimes the metrics may not tell the whole story that's what's up yeah for sure man that that was a word right there man that's all I know. <laughs> Praise God. That Praise was God. a word. Uh, man, before we jump off of the the production side of it, I did want to ask because you're also a uh, 
you're into retro gaming and i think we see that kind of come out in some of your music i know you recently um you know did the the sampling with donkey kong and, and had that on there and um and it's not a game, but uh, the the track you did with Archangel with the the Transformers uh, influence in there, yeah, yeah. T talk about that just a little bit. Like, what got? I mean, when did you decide? Hey, I'm gonna start bringing in some of these uh, samples, these elements, and, and have just a little bit of fun with them. Yeah. So I, it's funny. I always thought, like, even before I started doing music, like I I used to love the soundtracks from the games like I, I would hum them i would sing them and eventually when i started doing music i was like yo like I'm, a lot of these melodies that i'm hearing like the beats i would make i felt like they were influenced by these games i played so i got to a point where like 2005 or i i made a few um but like i like I sampled Guile's stage from Street Fighter for this compilate this local Cincinnati compilation. Um, and it really didn't do much. Like, wasn't nobody talking about it. It wasn't like, oh, you sampled Street Fighter. Like, but granted, social media wasn't really a thing yet. Um, and, but but eventually, um, like, I started working like game elements into. Uh, my music like it got to the point like like my dude red letters for instance he um he had pr produced a song on behind the glory and he had sampled a nintendo game i don't even know what game it was but i remember just i love the beat because of that um and i got to a point where um 2015 i just had this idea i was like it'd be dope to do like a weekly series um because i was trying to do some promo stuff I, I hadn't dropped an album for like two years at that point um so i was like what can i do to sort of like you know let people know i'm still doing music and create some buzz and so i was like it'd be dope to like sample a lot of these songs that i've always thought would be dope to sample so like the first one i did was like chippendale rescue rangers um i did that and people liked it and they thought it was cool and like i would do them every thursday and like the more i did on like it was like the snowball effect where it just started like getting people's attention and um then eventually like in the middle of that i got asked to do um the rapzilla beat battle and i was terrified to do this by the way like i i was as much as much of a seasoned producer as I am, like I was very afraid to enter this challenge. I felt like I was just going to get embarrassed and, you know, <laughs> and it would just not be a good look. And so I, I, but what that made me do was I was like, you know what? Like if I'm going to get out, ousted out of this contest, out of this beat battle, like I'm going to go out swinging. And so I made like, I just made the best beats I could. And I'm, you know, I'm sampling Mortal Kombat, Street Fighters, kind of the Hedgehog, doing all these songs. Um, I just remember how the crowd, like when I faced, you know, the first producer and I brought out a, I actually made a Transformers beat for that, uh, a different one for that um, round. And I just remember how the crowd erupted. Like, it just was like, oh this is this is a lot more special 
than I thought it was. Um, and so, like, over the years, like, I'm like, all right, I want to do more of these. And so now, you know, I'm on volume three, um, volume four now, and, you know, embracing the whole retro region side. And, like, I had a Nintendo, um, but it was broke, and I actually went on YouTube and learned how to fix it, and I did. And then that really got me into, like, buying games. And then as I'm buying all these old-school games and systems, I'm hearing new songs that I want to sample, like songs I didn't get to, or games I didn't get to play when I was a kid, but I'm like, yo, this is super dope. Um, and so, yeah, now it's this thing, you know, I kind of didn't, kind of like with everything else, I really didn't intend for it to be what it is. <laughs> God, I think even in that, like, led me in this area um, to be creative and have fun, you know, have fun with the music, but still not deviate from the message of the cross like i feel like you could do both you know a lot of times people are they try to tell you do one or do the other i'm like i feel like my career has always been a representation of you can have biblically sound music but still have fun um with the music it doesn't have to be so heavy all the time and you can you can win people for jesus through your music and it doesn't have to be super theological either like that's that's where I've come to, like, in my career at this stage. Man, you've kind of taken another step now. So you went from, you know, you, you have your artistry, you have the production side, and now you've stepped into, um, you know, working on your own label, right, uh, after being an independent artist for a little bit. Um, talk about playwright music and what you have going on uh, in that world. So playwright is funny. Um, you don't have some people who who may know this that's listening. Um, so originally, I had a label when I was a when I was in high school. Like the whole deal was, I used to send my demos to all these labels. Like like that was popping. Like I sent it to Grape Tree. I sent it to Eternal Funk Records with with Unity Clan. Like all these groups that are like in all the record stores at the time and of course nobody gave me the light of day and 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 reasonably so like but back then i'm like yo like i was kind of <laughs> i guess i was kind of arrogant just to think like yo i'm i'm hot and somebody needs to sign this kid like i'm about to kill it like i ain't seeing you know and so for me i was like well if these labels aren't gonna sign me i'm gonna just sign myself and so I started this label called This Click Records um, back in like um, 2001. And I did that through when Boom Baptism dropped. So even when I came out with like Behind the Glory, um, it was like a joint venture. And then with Cross Movement, that's when I kind of dropped the This Click thing and with the artists with Cross Movement. But I was like, I, I don't want to call it K-drama music. But I want to, you know, figure out, like... So, I, I always wanted to start a label, um, like, like legitimately. Um, like, cause I had artists on this click. Um, but only one dropped an album. I had, like, at one point, I think we had, like, nine artists on a label. But it was more just... More of a group. It wasn't really a label. It was more like... I mean, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. But um, I only had one dude, my dude, Big Steve who actually dropped a record on this record. 
And so that was just the thing, you know, back then, like no limit, like Master P had the tank, cash money had the dollar sign, like death row had the electric chair. You know, they all had these emblems. That was just, you wanted to have like a chain with your emblem on your neck. Like I used to have a no limit chain actually. Like that I used to, before I got saved, I used to wear it to school all the time. And so like, that was just the thing. And so, but when I matured a little bit and, and grew grew up, I was like, eventually, I just I just wanted to start a label, um, like because I wanted a like I don't want to release music on K drama music. I was like, I feel like I'd be a little more creative than that. Um, and then two, and like pivoting off of that, I'm like, if I have other artists. I don't want them to say I'm signing K drama music. But I was like, it'd be dope to have like a cool name. And so that was literally the thing that held me back for years. It was like once I get a name, um, then you know I'm a I'm a run with it. And to be honest, like playwright music, it kind of just came about. Like I just one day, like I bounced all these other names. Like my wife keeps it straight, like 100. And so I gave her all these different names. She was like, that's terrible, that's whack, that's horrible, don't call it that, da, 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 da. And so one day, like, playwright just popped up in my head because I'm thinking K-drama, playwright music. Because K-drama is like, I act out the king. And I'm like, ah, playwright, you know, a person who writes plays is like, it's basically the same thing, in, in essence. Um, like, as far as how I look at my name versus playwright. And so I'm like, really, it is K-drama music, it's just, it's just encapsulated with a better representation of that. So playwright music, I'm like, yo, I want to write. I want to write, like, I want to act out the king through what I write, basically. And so um, once I came up with that, I'm like, oh, dope. And it's funny, like, I came up with, right around the time I came up with that was when I met my first artist, Scott Sim. And so, like, it was just like, all right, God, I see, you. like, your timing perfect and so like eventually i signed him and then i found another artist named will riley and they're both no longer with playwright but like we're still cool and everything's good but you know we came out with several collab albums and then i came out with some stuff they came out with solo stuff and so i'm sort of in the process of trying to find new artists new talent um because i'm trying to like on the entrepreneurship side like i'm trying to develop more streams of income that I don't have to I don't have to put in as much work for you know if I can leverage my platform for somebody else and they can for me in turn you know provide me income for my services then it's a win-win and so um that's really what I'm looking for now just kind of keeping my ear out but until then you know I'm not I'm like yo like I got plenty of that I plan on dropping and I've been dropping. So if anything, Playwright right now just serves as an outlet for me to drop my own music. And so, um, so yeah, so like, you know, I just really, for me, it's just the name. Um, and I mean, I would call it K-drama music, but I just don't think it sounds as good. So that's, that's really what that is. Um, but I guess that's really what a label is. Like when you think about it, it's just, it's a collection. It's an umbrella. Um, and I'm just under that umbrella. So That's what's up. So um, when you're looking 
at potential artists that you know you might want to start those discussions with and bring like what kind of attributes are you looking for when you're kind of checking out an artist so i think first impression makes a lot of uh, like it means a lot uh when i hear an artist for the first time like actually both of the artists that i had signed both scott and rail i saw them perform live first um and so seeing them perform live they both killed it like these are two different shows one was at a birthday party for um twin 12 year olds 12 year old girls um so you gotta imagine like the scenario um not not an ideal show for me at all but of course I, I loved doing it it was great um that's where i met scott sims and he killed it as if he was singing for thousands of people opening up for for lecrae like that's how i came off and i was like yo this dude his his concert his his live stage presence is dope and then his songs are dope because oftentimes you could be dope live but and i've had this happen so many times where i hear somebody live they're great but their live show doesn't translate in their studio recording like i hear the album and i'm just like ah, i just doesn't have the same energy some people perform better in public than they do in the studio and that's okay um but for me i'm looking for a bit of both um same with my dude rail like when i saw him perform like he just he smashed it he was creative like i remember he took a selfie in the crowd like but he had it like synced up with his music but he actually took the picture like it wasn't just a sound effect like he did it like it was just timing was perfect and then, then he posted the picture on his Instagram. Like, it was just stuff like that. Like, going that extra mile. That is like, wow, like, that's cool. That's creative. What else can you come up with? And so I think those two things. But then the thing that's really going to carry you, like, because I can sign you. But do you have the work ethic? And I think oftentimes just it's easy for artists to be artists and make the music. But... The work ethic isn't there to do everything else. And it's like, yo, the music's only the first step. <laughs> like, there's just, there's so much more you have to do than be an artist. And if you don't realize that at some point, you're going to get left behind and you're you're going to end up obsolete. Um, and so, yeah, I look for those three things, like creativity, dope music, work ethic i think those are the things i look for so like even i just did this a different world challenge there's a few artists i'm like yo they were dope like so my next step is listening to their music like going on their spotify seeing what kind of songs they come up with on their own and you know it but if i was to actually talk to them like yo like i would love to work with you i want to get a sense of their work ethic through our conversation like are you are you going to be able to keep up with me because my work ethic you know is like yo my life depends on this that's the kind of work ethic i operate with like i wake up dumb early and i go as hard as i can until it's time to quit 
And that's what I'm expecting from any artist that I'm working with. Like, if, if you can't keep up with me on the track, um, then we're not going to be a good fit because I'm going to just get frustrated that you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Man, that's good stuff, man. And, and that's what uh, artists need to hear, you know what I'm saying? Because um, there's some of them who, who maybe get it. There's some of them who just do certain things naturally, and then there's some of them who have no idea, right? So I think the more that we can give them that uh, insight, man, the better. Um, so yeah, ready to come and up I, I mean, and I'll say this too: like, if you don't know it, that's okay. Like for me, like someone like like we gotta teach. Like we can't. It's one thing if you teach them. Like if you don't know, and I teach you. But you don't implement it, then that's when it's like, ah, like that could have that could, this could have been dope, but because you don't want to work at it, like it just falls by the wayside. And so yeah, people don't know. Like oftentimes they don't know the game. Like that's why that's why you have your show. You know, you're putting people on game. But if people listen to your show and then they don't do nothing with it. Then it's like, why did you even listen? Did you just want your ears tickled? Or are you really trying to take things, get these nuggets, you know, and apply them so that you can, you know, make the most of your situation? So, like, people got to be able they it's information without application is useless. Like, you got to take what you hear and you got to apply it or else it's just no point. There's no point of even knowing it. For sure, for sure. Well, man, as we're getting ready to roll into, you know, this this new year, this you know, 2021, what should people um, maybe be keeping an eye out for as far as playwright music is concerned? Man, is there any plans, anything in the works uh, that, that you're yeah, yeah, um, I'm super excited about 2021. Like I was, ex- I was excited about 2020, and obviously, it's been the most like unusual year of of all my life um but i feel like a lot of great things happen in 2020 um still like i don't look at it like throw it in the trash you know i'd be a lot and it's like nah i'm not gonna do that like god still like god uses a lot of things um to teach us things the culture to grow us um and so i felt like this was a, a growing year like in a lot of ways um and so uh 2021 i'm just gonna kind of build on i, w- I want to build on on what i did in 2020 with just releasing a lot of music uh, a lot of singles like 2020 i released a lot of singles 2021 i plan on releasing a lot of projects like i'm going to kind of <laughs> i'm going to try something new because we live in this you know like music just doesn't have a shelf life it once had and I'm like, you know, part of me is like, you know, I don't want to oversaturate the market. But at the same time, I don't feel like you can because music just has such a short shelf life. Unless you just really make something that just just changes the game. So I plan on doing a lot of different um, like I if things go the way I envision they go. I might release three or four projects in 2021. Now they're not all gonna. One's not. One will be an album. 
you know, 14 songs. One might be a compilation album, same amount of tracks. And then two EPs. Like, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Like, and then, because I'm even thinking in the 2022, where, like, I want to do, like, a We Fit Part 2. A lot of people have been like, yo, you should do a We Fit 2. And I'm like, yeah, that would be dope. So, like, I'm thinking kind of like how... You got Cobra Kai coming off of Karate Kid, you know, and everybody's doing reboot. Well, I don't really see that musically. Um, and so I'm kind of delving into that, seeing what it looks like. And worst case scenario, it, it just doesn't do well, and then you release another project. So it's kind of, yeah. So, so yeah, expect a lot of music, though, from me. And then I'm hoping, you know, I hope I meet some artists uh, digitally, obviously, um, that I can work with and, you know, partner with. and. And, and you know work with on playwright so uh so yeah 2021 is gonna be it's gonna be great it's gonna be positive that's what's up that's what's up so if where do people need to go in order to follow what you have going on and just support uh the music so i'm, I'm pretty active on facebook instagram and twitter so uh twitter and instagram handle is at kdrama513 Facebook, you could just type in K Drama. I should be the first thing that pops up. Um, you know, should be able to stay in tune there. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, man, we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to just hop on here and talk with us. Um, man, we appreciate it. Uh, you know, might might hit you up again in the future. See if we can get some more nuggets from you. If that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. I'm, I'm truly, you know, truly honored for the opportunity you know grateful for your platform and um you know it's it it a blessing being on with you thank you thank you we, we appreciate it for sure so guys once again that was k drama uh definitely grateful for him taking a little time to talk with us on this episode of the podcast and as always, shout out to our episode sponsors, including the bookkeeper 24-7. We will see you guys on the next pod. 